Yo, what's up, world? Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. The net translation of Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is being sure of what we hope for. Being convinced of what we cannot see. Faith is assurance and confidence. Conviction and persuasion. Faith for you and I, brothers and sisters, is to be assured of the things that we hope for as Christians and to be convinced of what we cannot see as men and women of God. Has anybody seen God at any time? And yet we believe. So faith is to believe with full assurance and with full conviction in whatever it is that we say we believe. We can say I believe, but saying we believe does not mean that we believe. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. We believe, therefore we speak. Not that we speak and therefore we believe. Faith is to be convinced of heart and soul that what we say we believe is truth. A child who believes in Santa Claus with all of their heart, this is precious, innocent faith. An evolutionist who believes with all of his heart that a man's mother is a mud puddle and that his father is a bolt of lightning, if he believes it, With all of his heart, this is faith, even great faith. A Christian who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, sent by God because of love to die for the sins of the world. If a Christian believes that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, if he believes it with all of his heart, This is faith. Now these are all examples of faith, but these simplistic illustrations do not wholly spell out or define what faith is. These examples do not wholly define faith that is born of God. These are but the surface waters. (laughs) Now let us descend a few fathoms beneath the waves. Now let me ask a question. Is there such a thing as great faith? As if faith can be weighed and measured upon some secret scale held within the hands of angels. And if there is such a thing as great faith, as if faith can be weighed and measured, what does it look like? And what are its dimensions? What is its substance? And what are its measurements? Now, most of us have heard the biblical story of David and Goliath. The entire army of Israel shook and trembled like the leaves of Sherwood Forest. The entire army of an entire nation quivered with fear and dread at the mere thought of facing off one-on-one against a single man, a man of mere flesh and blood, this great Philistine champion, this giant of lore, Goliath. 
Even as Goliath stood opposite the company, boldly and defiantly mocking the entire nation of Israel, daring any one of them to square off and meet him face to face on the battlefield. The mightiest of men, even hardened, proven warriors whose knees had become like water and whose strong arm had fallen limp at the thought of facing off one-on-one against one man, Goliath. And although Goliath was a very large man indeed, towering over an entire nation of men, put together as if you were whittled out of the side of a mountain of granite. Goliath indeed was in the eyes of an entire nation of soldiers an impenetrable fortress. In the eyes of an entire nation of soldiers, this one man was the monster of their very own legends. They had only heard whispers. Of such a thing as what stood before him this day. This thing, Goliath, was to these men an invulnerable behemoth which could not be killed, captured, or tamed, and whose only lust was the blood of the soldiers of Israel. The lifeblood of Israel's mightiest men had drained from their faces as if they had already been slain. Before Goliath, every heart of an entire nation melted like wax before the flame. Then here walks into the camp of Israel. The small boy, a shepherd of sheep. Whose name is David. Now we don't know David's exact age at the time. But we do know that he was still just a boy. And so David enters the camp of warriors, sent by his dad to merely check on the welfare of his brothers and to bring a few slices of cheese to the commander of their thousand. But while David is within the camp, he becomes privy to the dilemma of his countrymen. Yet David's reaction was not that of fear as the rest, but of assurance and conviction and faith in his God. David's God was Israel's God. They were one and the same. Only one man truly believed and another did not. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Asked the shepherd boy David. So most of you know the story, I'm sure. It's a Sunday school classic. I'm sure some of you are even maybe watching the battle play out in your head right now. So the fearful soldiers quickly bring David into the presence of the king. And David says to the king, Let no man's heart fail because of this man. Let no man's heart fail because of him. For your servant will go and fight with this champion of Philistia. So now with the king's blessing, albeit a somewhat reluctant blessing, for you are but a youth, says the king, while this man has been a warrior from his youth. Nevertheless, the dismissive pessimism of the king does not sway David, not even at all. David has not put his trust in the flesh, but in his God. David believed 2 Corinthians 5-7, even though 2 Corinthians 5-7 would not be written for another thousand plus years. That is, the children of God, we walk by faith. We do not walk by sight. 
So the Philistine steps out from amongst the ranks and the boy David approaches this champion, this defiant one, this reproach of an entire nation, Goliath. And David engages the giant with nothing more than a sling and a stone. And as David draws near to Goliath in faith, he declares, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So in but a moment, David rushes headlong toward Goliath, slinging one stone, a single stone, which sinks into the forehead of the giant. And Goliath crumbles to the earth like a mountain shaken from its foundation. Just like that. Goliath is dead. The boy David in faith believed so wholeheartedly that God was the one fighting for him that he calmly and confidently was willing to stake his own life on it. Not that anybody had to ask him to. The Bible gives us no indication that David even for a moment contemplated his own mortality. David simply believed God. David believed, therefore David acted. David's heart was given not to the perception of circumstance, but to his God. In Goliath, the soldiers saw a great boulder upon their path which could not be moved, not even by the strength of a thousand men. But in Goliath, David saw a pebble to be kicked to the side. For David walked by faith, not by sight. Now, is this famous story about the unshakable faith of a shepherd boy who would later in life become a king, chosen of God? Is this story about David an example of great faith, as if faith can be weighed and measured? Did David do something here that you and I could never do? As if David was overflowing with faith. As if faith can be weighed and measured. And if we believe the answer to that question to be yes, then shouldn't you and I ask God for more faith? As if faith can be weighed and measured, small or large. As if faith can be deep or shallow, wide or slim. The apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ asked him for just that, for more faith. As if faith can be weighed and measured. Luke 17, 5 and 6 says, They said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So again, did the boy David have a great faith? As if faith can be weighed and measured. Or did David simply have faith? So again, what is faith? And I indeed believe in such a thing as great faith. I believe that the boy David possessed a great faith. But the question is, How do we define great faith? 
Is faith something that we indeed can weigh on a scale or measure in a measuring cup? Mustard seed wouldn't move an ancient scale, even an iota. It would be the same as dust to be wiped from the scales. And yet faith, like a mustard seed in heaven. And yet faith, like a mustard seed in the land of truth, is great faith. It is enough faith as if faith can be weighed and measured. The faith of a mustard seed is enough faith to uproot a tree and plant it into the seas we just read. So again, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 once more says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So what exactly does it mean to be fully assured of the things that we hope for? And what does it mean to be fully convinced and convicted of the things that we cannot see? Well, the answer is in a single word. It is one word that separates full assurance from being less than fully assured. And it is one word that separates full conviction from being less than fully convicted. And it is one word that separates great faith from faithlessness. Doubt. So there is indeed something to be weighed and measured. But it's not a man's faith. It is his doubt. Great faith is as a mustard seed, lighter than a feather. And yet doubt is as heavy as an anchor. Weighing a man down, causing his back to break and his knees to buckle. Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty three and 24, Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Great faith is simply believing God without the burden of any doubt. Just as the boy David did. This is why Jesus does not define great faith by its size or by its volume. Great faith is simply believing God without any doubt. James 1.5-8 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. God weighs a man's doubt, not his faith. Faith frees a man. Doubt burdens him. Now, can a man's faith grow ever greater and greater in his pursuit of the living God? Yes, it can. Much the same as the love of a man can grow. Philippians 1.9 says, This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. And 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people. The love of a Christian grows greater and greater as God grows the Christian, as we are a tree of His planting, bearing fruit unto life. 
And the faith of a Christian grows greater and greater with pursuit and with time. And the faith of a Christian grows as God confirms His every word both within and without. For David said to King Saul just before he slew Goliath, He said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So faith indeed does grow. Faith indeed does grow as God confirms to us in every circumstance that He is trustworthy, that He is a trustworthy God. But it's not so much that a man's faith gets large as if faith can be weighed and measured. It's not so much that a man's faith gets large as it is that his doubt gets small. If all doubt be expelled from the heart, great faith need be nothing more than that of a mustard seed. How great is our God. Christian growth or sanctification, it is a lifelong process. Sanctification being the process of being made holy. Hebrews 10.14 says that by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. 1 Peter 2.1 and 2 says, Therefore putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Sanctification is transformation. And transformation takes time. The mighty redwood did not grow overnight. But first it had to secure its roots and it had to accept its food. As we pursue God, we grow in all respects as Christians. Our faith grows as if faith can be weighed and measured. But you see, weight and size does not define great faith. What defines great faith is its unwillingness to mingle with any doubt. When there is no burden of doubt, Christian, there is great faith. Amen.